I was eating junk. I had just had two children back to back. I used to not be able to get on the ground. I never, ever daily exercise. Before, if I'd get down, I'd need a chair or something to help me get back up. I was 84 pounds heavier at one time. I was always a big dude, but I couldn't move around. That all changed when they met Diamond Dallas Page. Started doing yoga, man. I started doing a, a thing called DDP yoga. It's Nacho Mama's yoga. WCW heavyweight champion, known for his signature move, the Diamond Cutter. Diamond Cutter! Took what he learned recovering from an injury and years in the ring and created DDP Yoga. Working out combined with the eating habits, it was a huge difference. I felt so much better. It's a lot of fun for me because I never used to be able to be active. Now I'm, I'm, I'm on the floor, I'm rolling around, it's, it's pretty cool. More than importantly, I just want to be alive. I'm down about 110 pounds. DDP Yoga can work for anyone. DDP. DDP. Radio. Well, hello, my fellow GDP Radio Warriors, GDPY Warriors. It's me, Michael D. Mullins, here for Mike at 90% and over here, right where you currently are, live at GDPRadio.com. It is Wednesday night. It is 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, of course, my uh, co-host, as always, the lovely Crystal Stewart. If you do a direct line right up to the northern, uh, the northern states, currently sitting in uh, probably about six six inches of snow right now, is uh, the one and only, the lovely, the talented, <laughs> the Maple Leaf Maverick, Crystal Stewart. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Mike? <laughs> good. I, I, I am so good. Now, real quick. Um, last week we were teasing that we might have a guest, we might not have a guest, and here in my household, um, my wife, my lovely wife, knew that we had a guest coming, and she turns on the radio, and I'm in the other room doing the show, and she kind of peeks in, she goes, is he coming on? And I'm like, no, he, I don't think he's coming tonight, there was, there was a situation, and then she goes, okay, and shut off the show, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I'm going to bring him on so my wife will continue listening to the one time she's listened in the past two years uh, due to this man's absence, as, as I'm sure is the big part of it. But uh, we're going to bring him on. Um, of course, you know him in the DDP radio community, DDPY community. Um, he's our very own certification general. He is the uh, the loveliest man I know, of course, besides Josh McAdoo. Uh, the one and only <laughs> Hayden Walden. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Welcome back to me. Welcome back to you. It's good to hear your voice, Crystal. It's nice to hear you, Mike, I suppose. <laughs> uh, no, oh, I love man. you, man. And, and um, It's I been, it's been a crazy couple of years uh, since you've, you took yeah. me for a little bit from the show. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot's been going on, and I'm sure a lot of people are familiar. But uh, I just got to say that you are one of the most incredible people I know. And your Do Something campaign drove a wedge up my ass that hasn't been there in a while and have inspired me in a way that's helped me kickstart my own life. Um, legitimately, Good. I watched that's the awesome. first video there, and I realized that I had zero excuses. And um, I haven't done a lot some days, but I've been trying to do yep. something, so I appreciate that. And i got to just catch up with us. Tell us what's going on. I know it's been a, it's been a, uh, a difficult couple of years, but you're incredible, man. Yeah. So, well, firstly, thank you uh, for saying that. Um, I, I'll start by saying this, that firstly, my voice will sound a little bit ropey and rough because I'm full of cold. Um, 
And also, if I'm talking about everything on a personal level, which I probably will do, I might get a little choked up. So I'm putting that out there now before anything happens. Um, but, yeah, what's it been, two years since I was on the show, I think? Yep. Yeah. Am I right? It's been a while. Yep. So the last time I was on the show, I was director of the PC. I was living in Smyrna, Georgia. I was working opposite Garrett Sakahara. Um, <laughs> I was teaching approximately uh, 8 to 14 classes a week. Um, life was pretty sweet, to be honest. Um, it was from a guy from England and his wife who had just kind of upped and gone over to the U.S. We were We were living the dream. We were... We were making everything work the way it should do. And everything was going really well. Um, and in January 2018, we, we for those who don't know, we, Laura and I had lost our first daughter, Ray, in January of 2017. And in January of 2018, we found out she was pregnant again. Um, there were a few issues in terms of our visa situation and um, the health care that we had through the visa, which meant we kind of needed to get back to England to have the baby. Um, and then it all kind of spiraled from there. I mean, it, yeah, it was a, a very crazy ride. And I'll go into it if you want me to. I'm, I'm easy either way. You guys dictate to me. I'm happy to talk or I'm happy to ask questions and answer questions, whatever works. Um, what do you think? If you feel um, comfortable, go ahead. Say that again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, whatever you're yeah, comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right. Okay. So, um, the the plan. Uh, not a lot of people know this actually. This was this was literally a conversation between me, Laura, and Steve. You originally was she was pregnant, and it was a case of well, my visa runs out in the September of 2018. So let's let's start doing a green card. Let's start the application to try and stay. Come home, maybe around June, have the baby, and then when the green card's gone through, we can all move back as one big happy family. That was the plan. And then uh, early March 2018, um, Laura got a phone call from her obstetrician, her OBGYN, um, and the phone call, I wasn't there. She took it. She'd just gone to work. I just dropped her at work. I think it was 10 minutes later. I was back at the PC and I just got this phone call. She was in floods, tears. And the OBGYN had said there was a problem with her DNA on a blood test. Uh, the baby looked fine, but it looked like she might have cancer. And that kind of changed everything very rapidly. We, we didn't have much of an option then because now we're in a position where we can't afford to pay out of pocket for any kind of cancer treatment, let alone the baby. And over here in the UK, we've got the NHS, we've got the free healthcare, and we were still registered as citizens of the UK because we'd only been there for a year. So um, it was probably a four-week turnaround from Laura finding out that she might have cancer to uh, me walking into Dallas's office and saying, I got to go home. I'm really sorry, but I, I can't stay. And I remember that I walked in white as a sheet and completely in floods of tears because it was not what I wanted to do. and It was terrifying. Um, and yeah, by April the 12th, we landed on our wedding anniversary, on our fourth wedding anniversary, we landed back in the UK. Um, 
And it was four weeks later we found out, yeah, fully confirmed that Laura had breast cancer. So she was pregnant and she had breast cancer and we just relocated back from the US. We had no house. <laughs> we had um, like minimal income because the only person that could work was me. Um, and I still work for the company, so I was still doing the certification. I work on customer service. I had to rebuild my client base with doing my own classes over here and all of that stuff. It was a real frightening time. And at the time that it's happening, you literally sit there and go, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. It's the worst thing that will ever happen to me. Nothing is ever going to top that first few months of being back in the UK is how you feel at the time. Well, in hindsight, how wrong could I be? You know, you kind of sit there and look at it and go, yep, we're back. I'm going to get on. We'll build life. We'll get around this. And I had, um, I had kind of PTSD, um, PTSD or depression, grief based issues about leaving the U S because I'd worked as we talked about previously on shows like two, three years ago, I had worked solidly for like, 15 to 18 months to get us to the US. I had spent my entire life at that time trying to get us over there, dedicating my life to DDPY to make sure that we could go over there and live the dream. And now it's been torn away from me because Laura's got cancer. So for the first few months of being back, I'm trying to be the good husband. I'm trying to find us a house to live in. I'm trying to earn money, keep a roof over her head, make sure my wife goes through chemo while she's pregnant. Um, looking after her while she's going through chemo while she's pregnant. And I'm dealing with my own depression based over the job. And then I kind of settled my mind because I suddenly realized, and, you know, it's a guy thing. You, you, your, your wife's pregnant. You don't really register the fact that this, this baby is going to affect your life uh, until it's probably about seven to eight months. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, in, in six weeks' time, there's going to be a kid, and that kid's going to rely on me for everything. So I, I mentally adjusted myself. I went from feeling shitty about having to leave the U.S. to realizing that my new calling in life is I'm going to be a dad. And everything I do, that baby girl is going to rely on me for. So if I decide I don't want to go to work and I'm not going to earn any money that day, it affects her. If I decide I'm... You know, I'm going to do something stupid and drink myself silly. The hangover and the drunken night is going to affect her. It was those sort of thoughts. And we put all these plans into place because basically they gave us a full structure that Laura would have to have um, be induced early at 37 weeks, have the baby as close to 37 to 38 weeks as possible. And then within four weeks, go in for a mastectomy on her right side. Um, full mastectomy, reconstruction, all done in one, then follow-up chemotherapy. So we talked about the fact that I was going to be the main, she couldn't breastfeed, so it would be me doing the bottle feeding, it would be me basically carrying the baby while she was recovering from surgery. So everything was like, became about me being a dad, an active dad, you know, really taking that almost double parent role for a few months. Um, and I got really excited. <laughs> like really excited. It, I walked around telling everyone that I was going to be a sling daddy because the baby could be in my sling and in front of me and I would be answering customer service tickets with the baby on me. And 
I was really excited for all this. Um, it was all good. August was amazing. We were ready. We moved into our new place. And then September 2018, things kind of went very south. Um, and it's funny that I'm talking to you right now because we're coming up on the big anniversary on Friday. Um, and I'll I'll talk about that in a second. So um, basically on September the 1st, 2018, we, we had a daughter we had macy um for those who haven't followed the journey you can just go and look up the hashtag on facebook of mighty macy spelt m-e-i-s-e-e um and you can follow the journey and see where, what's happened and where she's ended up but the the cliff notes of the journey on in the story are that she was born what we thought a perfectly healthy baby girl and um they heard a heart murmur when she was like on 12 to 24 hours old. Um, and there was a little bit of inactivity from the medical professionals at the time. Um, and what that resulted in is uh, on day four, she went into full cardiac failure um, and organ failure. And she was rushed to a special cardiac unit where it was discovered that she had um, some similar conditions to her sister, um, very uh, much the same interrupted aortic arch and a hole in her heart. And then she also had something called a common arterial trunk. And we were told there and then that this is going to be a complicated surgery, but she'll most likely survive. Um, and we went through that. She had surgery at six days old. Um, and we spent the next 16 days, 14 days, sorry, um, by her bedside and everything was looking really good. And I tell the same story every time that on the night of the 19th, we left her and they told us that they were going to close up her chest because they had to leave her chest cavity open while her heart healed. And they were going to close up her chest and everything was looking really, really positive as we left her. And then at 8.15 on the Friday morning, I got the phone call to say she wasn't doing very well. And we were told to get in as quick as we could. And she passed away at 8.30. And as you can tell by my voice, that's still kind of, it's still very raw. Um, it's, it's interesting because I'm going to get further into everything that's happened since then. Um, but for some reason... I can't with grief right now. I can't get past that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to this because this is this is all tying into what Mike mentioned earlier about the do something movement. Um, so we we obviously we lost Macy and life kind of took a downward spiral massively for both of us, um, and the DDP yoga community, the DDPY family, were phenomenal through all of this. There is a an army of people out there that are very passionately and fondly called the Mighty Macy Army. They all have Mighty Macy t-shirts. They've all um, donated to Southampton Pediatric Intensive Care Unit, who gave us the extra 14 to 16 days with Macy. Um, the, the support while we were in Ronald McDonald House from everybody worldwide was outstanding. And it's kind of 
mind-blowing to think, again, it always comes back to that community spirit with DDP Yoga because what happened following that is I phased back into work. Laura had a mastectomy. We had Macy's funeral, and I started to do work. I started to get back into customer service. Um, and I hadn't worked out. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I by this point, I'm going to talk in English money for a second. But I'd reached about 14 stone again, which means I was up approximately 15 to 20 pounds. Um, and I didn't feel great. I wasn't able to get on the mat. I've got no no desire to work out. Um, and I'm doing customer service for a fitness company. <laughs> it's kind of counterproductive, right? And um, there's this lovely moment, and I, I, I talk openly about this on every podcast and every show that I've done. I'm doing customer service, and I've got a bowl full of peanut M&Ms at the side of me, and I'm shoveling them in my mouth like they're going out of fashion. And I'm talking to a lady who tells me it's time for her to take control of her life. And I said, oh, really? It's live chat, so it's instant messaging. I said, you know, do you want to explain more? She went, yeah, I, five years ago, I lost my husband. And ever since then, I have eaten my grief. And I, I shit you not, that phrase hit me like a sledgehammer because as she wrote that and it pinged up on my screen, I had a handful of peanut M&Ms. And I looked at the bowl, I looked at my hand, and I looked at my waist, and I went, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm eating how I feel about everything that's happened. I'm burying my head. And I need to stop it. I need to change it. Um, so, as I said on Stevie's podcast, I didn't get the lady's name. I have no idea if she's on the program still. I have no idea if she bought the program. She was just looking at DVDs at the time. But if she hears this, if she's listening, I owe her a thank you because she got me on the mat the next day by saying that word to me, by saying that phrase. That changed everything because suddenly now, irrelevant of how shit and how low I feel, I can't go and stick my head in the fridge and eat crap. And I have to promise myself that I'm going to get up and do something. Now, <laughs> that phrase is going to come back to haunt you because, trust me, it's come back to haunt me a lot, which is why I've started everything I've done. But I needed to start saying, do something. If I wasn't doing something, whether it be DDPY, whether it be a walk, um, just a walk around the streets around here, or even putting on my walking boots and going for a hike out into the countryside and getting lost, it didn't matter. I needed to do something. And I couldn't just sit and do nothing. And I couldn't just sit and eat crap, watch TV, and just let life pass me by. That wasn't going to happen. And through this, I obviously had Laura still battling cancer, and she'd had a mastectomy. But I was a, it's really become apparent in the last few months since everything's happened that I was the driving force for both of us with positivity and the movement of getting up and let's go out, let's go for a walk, let's get moving again, let's find life. We were, we were very, uh, aware that our chance of having kids ever again had gone because number one that's two children that we've had that have both got severe um, fatal heart conditions 
And number two, she's had chemotherapy, and it's pretty much at that point had wiped her fertility. So we were we were looking at life as just us two. That's how it should be. That's where we should be right now. Um, and we kind of got life back on track to a degree. We we went through uh, adjuvant chemo. We had a lovely trip back over to see all of our friends uh, around Christmas time, which um, I don't mind telling everyone this, and Garrett will probably slap me for saying this, but I didn't tell anybody apart from two people that Laura was coming. So we flew over um, beginning of December, and everyone thought it was just going to be me. And we walked in at the end of a class, end of Garrett's class, and I walked in, and he saw me, he knew I was going, and he gave me a big hug. And as he hugged me, he looked over my shoulder and saw Laura walk in the room. And I, I almost had to catch him. He collapsed in my arms and was so shocked and crying because she was there. Um, it was amazing. Um, so that was a real uplifting moment because, you know, in September we'd lost Macy. We'd had surgery. We'd had a funeral. We'd been to fertility treatment to be told it wasn't going to work. And then we go over to the States and we're surrounded by everybody. So it was amazing. It was really, really uplifting. Um, we come back, we get through New Year, we start adjuvant chemotherapy. That finishes uh, middle of February. Um, Laura is starting to talk to me about she wants to start running again. She wants to start doing DDPY again. She's looking forward to getting back into work. All of these things are like moving forwards. And we've got the transformation summit. So we come over for the summit. And two days before, three days before we leave for the transformation summit, we had an appointment with our oncologist and he gave us the all clear. He literally said, well, that's it. Everything's good. Your blood work was good on your last chemotherapy, which was four weeks ago. Everything's good. So hopefully uh, I won't see you in here again. Have a great time. That was it. Um, we came away. We celebrated. We got on a plane. We came over. Um, and <coughs> excuse me. While we were staying with some friends in New Jersey, um, Laura started to suffer some abdominal pain. And at the time, we just put it down to spicy foods and the after effects of chemo and all of that sort of stuff because her body was just coming back. Um, we get to the PC for the summit, and now it's getting worse. Every time she has something that might be slightly spicy or too heavy, it, it's really bad abdominal pain. Um, she puts it down to anxiety because, um, again, nothing against anyone when I say this, but... And I quote Josh McAdoo. I hate quoting Josh McAdoo. Um, <laughs> but the, <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is Josh gave me a hug when he arrived at the summit. And he put his arms around me. He said, I feel like you are the biggest celebrity in the DDP yoga community right now until your wife walks in the room. Mm -hmm. And he's 100% right. I remember distinctly mm -hmm. hugging somebody, not met them before. And I'm sorry, I can't remember your name, but you hugged me. And as you hugged me, you let go and you went, oh, my God, Laura's here. And you ran off to hug her. And it was that, like, okay, 
I know my place. My wife is more popular than me. That's <laughs> fine. I'll deal with that. So, um, she Laura puts these abdominal pains down to anxiety. She she's writing it off as I'm clearly just uncomfortable with everybody that loves me and has followed our story. Um, we talked to Marcel, who's there, and Marcel said, you know, I would. Keep an eye on it, and potentially when you get back to England, just go and see your GP. Go see your doctor. So I'm staying in the U.S. for two more weeks. Laura's coming home. She goes home. She goes to the GP, and the first GP she sees tells her, don't worry about the uh, abdominal pain. It's just a pulled muscle, which is odd because she hasn't worked out for like (laughs) maybe seven months at this point. (laughs) So... um, she called me and said, yeah, they said it's a strained muscle. And both me and my mum were like, no, you need to go back. You've had chemo. You're a, a cancer patient who's given the all clear. It, it it could be something like a gallbladder issue or something. So just go back. And she went she back to a so different much doctor. That she knows what a pulled muscle is. Yeah, exactly. So she, she goes back and sees a different doctor. And he um, he instantly looks at her notes and went, I don't want to like scare you, but I want to do all your cancer markers. And she said, okay. And he did a blood test the following day. She phoned me. This is now on the Friday before WrestleMania. I'm going to WrestleMania and I fly home. Um, and she said, yeah, they've done a blood test. I should be getting the results on Monday. I'm like, all right, well, just give me a call Monday morning. I'm flying back Monday afternoon. Nice and easy. Um, and it, again, Life is on the up. Life is feeling good. I'm having a great time with the boys. I was with Nathan, Dylan, and Garrett at WrestleMania. It was amazing. And Monday morning, I got up, and I phoned Laura, and I say, are you at the doctor's? She's like, yeah, I'm just waiting to be called in. I'll call you in a minute. Thinking a two, three-minute doctor's appointment to say, yeah, your bloods are fine, or no, this one's a little off, or whatever. Half an hour goes by, I get no phone call. 40 minutes later, I finally give in and I ring her. And she's in floods of tears because her cancer markers are through the roof. Only four weeks before, or three weeks before, we were given the all clear. So I get on a plane, I come home, we get back and we start talking. What is it? What do we think it could be? She has a, a CT scan two days after I get back, and then it's our wedding anniversary. It's our fifth wedding anniversary. So we forget everything. We go away. We have a breakaway. And while we're on the breakaway, she eats something. It upsets her stomach, and her abdominal pain starts again, and it doesn't stop. And it gets worse and worse. So at this point, I say, screw this. We're cutting our vacation short. I'm taking you home. I'm taking you to the ER room. I take her straight to the ER room. Um, it's like 10 o'clock at night. They whisk us through to a little private room because she's a technically still a cancer patient. So we need to be quarantined in case there's infection around. Um, and we're in for a little bit. She explains everything. And probably around about 11.30, this, this lovely female doctor comes through and just says, you had a scan the other day. I can access this scan. Um, I want to know if I see anything on this scan do you want me to tell you now or do you want me to wait? Or, you know, want to wait until you see your oncologist on Thursday? And we both said, no, just tell us now. Get get the information out of the way. And as she walked out of the room, I just looked at Laura and I said, 
she's already seen your scan and it's not good news. And an hour later, she came back in and confirmed that 100%. Her cancer had basically traveled to her liver and metastasized into breast cancer within her liver. So we didn't know what that meant. We had no idea that we, all we thought was like, well, it's another cancer, it'd be more chemo, or we can try alternative routes. And, and then we go and see our oncologist on Thursday, and he breaks it down as blunt as uh, we say, if we don't do anything, what, what's the situation? And he said, if you don't do anything, if you don't do chemo, um, and if you don't try any alternatives, which he didn't recommend anyway, he said, you've, you've got three to six months to live. Oh, so you're now sat in a room faced with the fact that your, your wife is now dying. And everything that I'd done, every, every ounce of energy I'd put into trying to get our life back on track suddenly is diverted again into what do we do? Where do we go from here? Um, and I'm going to be honest and say we tried everything. We tried all the illegal stuff that we could try. Um, and I say illegal. It's not illegal in the U.S. It's illegal over here. Um, we tried. She didn't want to do chemo because we knew too many people that had been given terminal diagnoses and had passed away very quickly with doing chemo. So we avoided chemo. We took every possible route we could. Um, and this was March we were given three to six months and Laura passed away on the 13th of June. So it's been a rough two years, I think is probably a, an understatement. Um, the kind of the knock-on of all this is what's come out of this is, again, it comes down to the community element and everything else. I... I rolled out of bed the day after Laura died. And the first thing that I did is I rolled out her yoga mat, which ironically, we both have Manduka mats. And I never realized this before, but my Manduka mat is purple and hers is blue. And they match our wedding colors 100%. And I only noticed it after she died. I don't know if it was planned. I don't know if she'd worked that out or I, no idea. But yeah, that was there. So... I rolled it out and I took a photo of my feet on the mat and said, well, I guess I best better hashtag do something. And that was the, the second start of using the hashtag uh, to try and get myself going. Um, what I didn't realize is that that one post would affect as many people as it did because within minutes of me posting that, I had people writing things like, well, I was just going to lay in bed and do literally just get up late for work kind of thing. And I'm seeing this and everything you've just been through. What's my fucking excuse for not doing something? I'm going to go and get on the mat and, or I'm going to go for a run. And people kept saying these things. Um, what happened to me on a personal level is, I made a decision when, when I was caring for Laura, because I, I spent six weeks of the two months we had left caring for her 100%. Um, I pretty much signed myself off from work. Um, I was Laura's 
help for feeding, showering, getting dressed, because from the moment she was told it was terminal, it was almost a real rapid progression into she couldn't do too much for herself. So um, I made a, a, a conscious effort in my head that what I wanted to do was actually um, join the military when she died. I, I was going to sign up for the British Royal Marines because I'm now in the kind of condition that I can do that. I'm in the shape I can do that. Um, and I, I Googled it. I looked online and I was like, what's the, what's the age limit? And I'm 39 at the time that I'm looking and the age limit is 33. So oh. the instant thought is to go, fuck, what do I do now? <laughs> Where do I go? Because all that kept going through my head was I'm going to want to feel alive. I, I have... Um, I have nothing like the minute Laura dies. I have nothing. What, how, how do I keep going? How do I know that I'm alive? And I thought if I join a military like force of some sort, and the Marines always come to mind because they're the cream of the crop, it was, I have no choice but to feel alive because I'll have to do 16 weeks of basic training I'll be beaten, I'll be run ragged, I'll be broken, and they'll rebuild me, and it will get me through this. And then that didn't happen. So the the knock-on effect of that was, well, if I can't join the Royal Marines and become one, maybe I can train like one. Maybe I can work as hard as one. Maybe I can, maybe I can try and compete like one. So... This is a little bit of back history, but 10 years ago, I was a Thai boxer, amateur Thai boxer, and I, I tore my ACL in my right knee. And I just got with Laura at the time, and Laura is such a lovely, caring, beautiful soul, she would never, ever let me run again. And she would say to me, every time I wanted to go running, she would like say things like, if your knee goes, what are you going to do? And I would say, I'll get a surgery. It'll be fine. And she would say, I don't want you to have surgery. So just look after your knee by not running. Well, two weeks before she died, I sat with her in the hospice and said, when you've gone, I'm starting running again. And she rolled her eyes at me and said, if you hurt yourself, you've got no one else to blame but yourself. And I said, that's exactly what I want to do. I don't want to hurt myself, but I want to know that I could. I want to know that I am alive. So I'm going to do park run, which is a 5K on a Saturday morning. That's all I'm going to do. And I, I literally, I promised her that that was it. I was going to do it just for her. So she passed away on the Thursday. And on the Friday, I got up. I did the workout on the mat. I had to go do some legal stuff. And then I went to the local run shop. And I, I bought a pair of running shoes for the first time in 10 years. And I went to park run the following Saturday, the next day. <clears throat> having not run in 10 years. Now, I'm in shape, but I'm in DDP yoga shape. So I didn't know if I'd be able to complete this 5K. What I can tell you is, for all of you out there that wonder if DDP yoga is good for everything else, the answer is yes. It's really good for everything else. It's really, really simply good for everything else because you're flexible, you're strong, your cardiovascular's up. I started this 5K... And I had no time in my head. I wasn't even worried about what time I was going to get. I've not run in five years, in 10 years, and I finished this 5K in 31 minutes. 
Wow. Now, don't get me wrong, halfway round, part of me wanted to stop. Now, this is the mental battle now of everything else because part of me wants to stop. A voice comes over my head. Laura didn't quit. Macy didn't quit. Why the fuck are you going to quit? Like, okay, I'll keep running then. So that sparked my passion for running, which I'd not had for 10 years. So in the last, where are we now? September the 17th, 18th. Um, So in the last two months, three months, I run three times a week now. I've run 10Ks uh, and various other things. I do DDP yoga three to four times a week plus classes. I do calisthenics um, outdoors in a park. I jump up, do pull-ups and chin-ups and various other things like that. I will do strength and conditioning training, weights, various other bits and pieces, whatever else I can get my hands on to do, to lift, to drag, to move. All with one aim. One aim. That sole aim that every day I have to do something. And if I don't, I have to have a reason for not doing something. So if I, like now, I have a cold and I felt like shit this morning. I'm not lying when I say that. I woke up probably three times in the night thinking I was dying because I was like couldn't breathe and like that horrible sensation of you feel like you're drowning in your own fluids. Oh, so horrible. I don't mean to be graphic, but <laughs> so, um, I, I had a run booked, um, cause I've, I've also done things like sign myself up for Spartan races and, uh, various obstacle courses and things. And, um, a friend put me in touch with another guy locally who does these things. And he said, he met me on Facebook and said, let's go for a run. So that was at 6.15 this morning. And at 5 o'clock when my alarm went off, I did not want to get up. I wanted to cancel this run. And a part of me was really up for doing that and messaging him and saying, now I'm going to stay in bed. And then that other part of me came across and went, what are you doing? If you stay in bed, how do you do a do something video for everybody? How do you do that? How do you how do you stand there on a camera and say to everyone, "I do something today is that I've got a cold, so I'm going to stay in bed." How does that look? That doesn't look like I'm owning my life. That doesn't look like I'm taking control. That looks like I've bowed down to the situation that's in front of me. So I got up, I got dressed, I got my shoes on. It was cold. I was miserable. I went and met this guy who I'd never met before properly. Uh, at 6:15 a.m., we shook hands. By 6.25, we were talking as we were running. And by 6.40, I was feeling like the king of the world because I was outside. The sun was rising. I was doing something. And my body feels great. And I'm alive. And that's the key point. Out of everything, all the grief. And trust me, I've had messages from people saying, you've got to allow yourself time to grieve. I'm going to come back to that in a second. There's nothing more important to me than reminding myself that I am alive. Because it's real easy for those who followed my page, for those who've been on and found the Do Something movement on Facebook. I did a post a few days ago about suicide because I've been very, very close, very, very close to that three times in the last 12 months. And 
I need to know I'm alive. I need to remind myself on a daily basis, not through pain, not through suffering, but through breathing, through movement, through getting outdoors, through getting on a mat, through finding a new position, figuring out a new balance position, figuring out a new a new twist, um, running further than I've run before, walking, anything, whatever I can do, lifting a bigger weight. I lifted a um, 100 kilo, like 220 pound deadlift the other day. I haven't done that in years. So, you know, those sort of things, looking at the calluses on my hand remind me how much I'm working and how alive I am. Yeah, there's pain. Yeah, there's discomfort. But that's not the reason I'm doing it. That that's a that's a distraction. That helps me like cover up the pain of the grief, but it doesn't take it away. It just it masks it to remind me that I'm alive, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Real, real uh, quick, um, can I just interject yeah. something real quick? We talked about being alive and stuff. Um, I had a really severe health issue early in this year, put me in the hospital for for six days, and and shortly after, um, I really kind of like you know picked up the pace of things. I've been dealing with a health issue for several years now, but that was the culmination where it was really bad and it was touch and go for a while. I came home, I lost, yep. I started getting shit together, and I started doing well and like getting things on track, and then things just started falling back into my old routine. When when Laura passed away, and, and you, you know, I, she, we used to sit up here on this show, 2 o'clock in the morning, I, she'd be trying to sleep, and we'd be yapping away, and I remember Katie would text Laura, and they yep. were just laughing at us being goofballs here in the middle of the night, but yep. when Laura passed away, of course, after the initial grief, I felt this extreme sense of guilt, because here I am, I just, my life was spared in that hospital, and I'm wasting that chance that Laura would have given anything to take. And for me, that was the most disgusting feeling I've felt, that I'm just sitting here pissing away the second chance that I got when she would do anything to have that chance. And that made things into perspective so quickly. You talk about feeling alive, that recentered my my shit big time. And I've since had another Mm. friend in the past couple days, the second friend in several months that has passed younger than me of cancer. Yep. And nothing will make you realize how ridiculous your little excuses sound in that moment than something like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it, it's, it's really important to realize um, the balance of what's a, a real excuse versus what is just you not wanting to do it. And I'm not just talking about fitness. I, I make a point on someone called me out on how much I was working out um, and said, you know, is it all about fitness? And I said, no, it's not all about fitness. It's not all about working out. It's about everything else. But here's the deal. If I get up and I do a, a 10K run at 6 a.m., I'm proactive for the rest of the day. I get shit done. And trust me, some of the shit I've got to do right now, no one wants to fucking do. No one. How many people do you know that want to go through, and I'm going to be blunt when I say it like this, but their deceased daughter or their deceased wife's clothes? How many people do you know that want to do that stuff? I have to do that at some point. So if I get up and I get moving and I get my shit together early, I'm in a headspace that makes me want to do that. It makes me want to say, okay, today I'm going to fill out this paperwork that, to send off to say that Laura's passed away. Today I'm going to do this. Today it, It's about doing that. 
Well, these excuses that you hear when people are saying, yeah, I can't work out today or I can't do that or my job sucks, but I can't leave it. My answer to you is you have an option. Everybody has an option. Your option has not been taken away from you. You do not have cancer. You do not have a life-threatening disease. You are just making an excuse because you don't want to do something. I, I, I've had a complete mental shift. I'm a very different person to where I was two years ago. I don't, I, it sounds awful to say, I don't tend to suffer people lightly anymore when it comes to excuses and, you know, oh, I can't do that. I can't make class. I can't do this. It's like, why? Give me a reason. And if your reason doesn't really make me go, oh, I'm sorry, you know, then I don't know what I can do. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of toughened up and calloused, I think. But then I suppose that comes with the territory of what's happened. <laughs> but uh, the, the the day after Laura passed, and I saw that video of yours. You put it into perspective mm. so well, and and I and we we have like 15 minutes of airtime before they kick us off. So I want you to touch on this real quick. You said something like Laura made me promise. I, we've been grieving for two years. They tell you we, we need the grieving process. I've been grieving for two years. Uh, that was a huge. Yep statement in my in my eyes talk about that for a second grieving for two years so um we started grieving together for ray in january of 2017 um my grief process for ray was very different for than what it was for macy i am very much at peace with everything that's happened for macy uh, with for ray i am not at peace with anything that's happened to macy so I was nowhere near coming through. And I'll say, say it like that. With, with grief, you, you don't get over, you come through it. And you always have it. it just, it's like walking through the, the thickest, muddiest field and realizing that there's no end to it, but it's just going to get a little shallower. That's how I view grief. That's how I feel about it. And... With Macy, I'm still neck deep in that. I'm she shouldn't she shouldn't have gone. She should still be here. So we had been grieving for Ray, then we're grieving for Macy, plus the grief I had personally for the US for the job for leaving that, which is grief. And then that all gets interrupted as I'm trying to work through it to deal with Laura. And the same phrase again comes out every time I talk to people. Right now, I am 100% at peace with where Laura is, with what's happened, because it was cancer. We tried. And I'll quote my dad. If anybody was going to find a way to beat that motherfucker, you two would have done. And yep. we tried. We tried everything. So you can't argue with that. It sucks. It's shit but you can't argue with it. So I'm at peace with Ray. I'm at peace with Laura. I'm still very much in the thick of grief for Macy, and I will be for a long time. Um, but that idea of we've been perpetually in grief for two years, 100% true. It, it was, it felt like the phrase I used to uh, as one of my therapists was 
it felt like I was walking hand in hand with the Grim Reaper because everyone around me, everyone in my immediate family was dying. Um, and that's, that's quite a big thought process when you really think about it. It's like, I, I'm, I'm good friends with death. Like, that's weird. There's some very weird things that come out when you go through this sort of stuff. Um, and what happened when Laura was diagnosed is she, she made me a promise. She said she was going to organize her own funeral to take that stress off me. Um, and that kind of made the grieving process a little easier because suddenly I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have to think, man, what kind of music is she going to want or anything? It was all done. We did it together before she died. Um, there's a lot of other things that she did that I'm, I'm starting to see and to find out. And it's kind of mind-blowing stuff. Little things that I, I don't really want to go into because they're personal, but even down to... Uh, playing a board game with some friends and um, she had instructed them to put cards in that were written by her or written by them from her for me as a little surprise. So there's little things like that that keep cropping up. So, you know, it's, it, it's really interesting. And I kind of, I almost woke up the day after she died with a, it wasn't like a, a newfound affinity of life but I think my my best friend Nathan um, if you follow me you'll know hashtag hi Nathan um, he, uh, he sent me a text that morning that quoted me from the night before so Laura died at 3.30 on the 13th and, and that night I just messaged Nathan I said I just want to go to a bar I just want to go out um, we went out, me, him, and another friend. And as we were stood there, I actually said, "Tomorrow could be the worst day of my worst day of my life, or the first day of the rest of my life." And he texted me at six a.m. and said, "Good morning. It's a beautiful day. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Get up and go and do something." And that was kind of the catalyst for me getting on the mat. I was always going to get on the mat, but that was the moment that I said, yeah, screw this. I can lay in bed all day and feel shit that my wife's died. It's not going to get me anywhere. It's just going to leave me in a wreck because trust me, I know what's at the other end of that path. If I take the right fork instead of the left fork, the right fork in this road takes me to a bottle of Jack Daniels. It takes me to a bottle of pills. It takes me to a lot of food. It has me weighing 300, 400 pounds and doing nothing with my life. I had an innate fear that not just Dallas, but anybody from the community or anybody that knows me now would see me in five years' time being four, 500 pounds, being out of shape, sad, depressed, lonely, on my sofa, and they would look and go, it's such a shame. After Laura died and he lost Macy, such a shame. He never really got his life back. I didn't fucking want that. I want people to look at me and go, look at what he's doing. Look at everything he's been through and look at what he's doing. If he can do this, why can't I do this? That's exactly where this came from. And to know that you got that from my post, Mike, really helps. Because that's, I didn't start it for anybody else. I started this shit for me. <laughs> 
but people yeah. are catching on and people are saying it's getting me moving, it's getting me going. I've had people tell me that they've stopped taking their antidepressants because they realized it wasn't helping them. And actually, their do something was to actually get up and get outside. That's helped them more than taking the tablets. I've had people, and I'm not advocating that they should stop medication. I'm just saying if you don't, you know, if you feel that that kind of medication is not working for you, seek consultation from your doctor first. But, you know, people who haven't worked out in months are saying that they finally got out and done something. People who have been depressed, they've finally got up, got dressed, and gone and looked for a job. This is all coming off the back of me just saying, I'm not going to let what's happened to me define me. I'm not going to let the last two years of my life and all the loss and the grief that I've been through dictate and define the position I'm going to be in. I can't do that. I'd be a failure to of Laura to Macy and Ray that would be horrendous that hashtag too I mean the fact that that came from from Laura and, and Macy like that they're, that's their legacy you know the fact that that came out of there mm-hmm. they lived for a long time through the live yeah. effect and that's that's the perfect that's I, I, I real quick I was scrolling through some pictures and I saw that picture from Mexico where you guys were on your honeymoon I believe right yep and I was scrolling through it, and it was Katie, Laura, and I dancing, and I brought to Katie's attention, and I mentioned Laura in present tense, and then I kind of took a second to realize, because her mm. energy and her, you know, personality was so radiant, I feel like we're still feeling effects of it, and it's like, doesn't feel gone, yeah. and she's such an incredible person that there's no way you cut cut that off when she passed. Her energy is going to travel through so many people and through this movement, and her life is going to change so many other lives, and I know that you're the catalyst of that, and you're such a beautiful yep. person, and you're such a great friend, and, and I love you dearly, man. Thanks, dude. I miss you. You should message me more. I miss you. <laughs> I, 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 and you know what? <laughs> I know that you've been so, so busy. I didn't want to, like, you know what I'm saying. Like, you're, there's a time yeah. where you don't feel I you're not a, I'm not the priority here. I know you got a lot of things to deal with, so I don't feel right about reaching out and taking your time because I know how precious it is. But I love you, and we're yeah, going to get together as soon as you get over here in the States. You can mark my... Always. You can but, always um, message me, honestly. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, real, uh, real quick, I'm going to bring I... Josh on to say hi real quick, because he's been waiting for 50 minutes. Okay. So, Crystal, you want to talk to Hayden yeah, for a no, second? Like, uh, Josh. I will always talk to Hayden. Hi, Crystal. How are you doing? <laughs> Hi, Hayden. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. I, I, want, I, to, I want to talk to you before that sleazy Alaskan comes on. Right. <laughs> I just want to say I, I, I love you very much, Hayden, and I'm very uh, proud of you. Thank you, Crystal. I love you, too, and I miss you as well. I want to see you more. I want to see you more. I, I think we, have, we need to have a uh, reunion somewhere. Josh, hello. You can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. How's it going? <laughs> Hi, Josh. Hi. I think. Hi, Josh. Have you been asleep? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it always sounds like it, that. It got really. It, it got really cold in my ice cave up here, waiting. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I I had I had about twenty. Uh, I had 20 jokes and funny things to say, and then I listened to the whole show and as closely as as Hayden and and I are with with everything and and the whole 
you know, story that is, is, you know, Hayden and Laura and the, and the girls, um, it just didn't seem like the right thing to crack a joke. And, and then, you know, someone cracked a joke at my expense anyways, but, um, for those that are listening for the first, for, for those that are listening to this story for the first time or, you know, the hundredth time, it's, uh, it's definitely, um, I hate to say moving, but it's, it's something again to, to that whole do something. And if, uh, you know, if you're looking for your motivation out there, whoever listens to this now or, you know, five, ten years from now, right. like, um, this is a journey that's uh it's heartbreaking, but there's a great end to it, you know, and, and like you said, it's like the it's the first um you know, it's the start of a new kind of life for you and um not giving yeah. up and all that 100%. stuff. So I can't I can't say enough, even though I do want to, uh, you know, say not to follow you and all <laughs> that, but it's uh it's a really positive thing and you know um it helps it helps me every time i see it maybe not the half naked shirt stuff you know like not that portion of the do something <laughs> that are posted um i mean, but if, other, I mean if other people are into that that's okay you know if people are into that that's fine i'm, I'm comfortable with that but uh it's it's not for me but um yeah i, I can't wait to see where it goes and it's such an emotional thing uh for me and every day it's still emotional thing for me. So yeah, it's just awesome thing. So, um, Josh, can I, can I tell a a personal story about, about you and Laura? Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we, we all kind of have a, a a firm belief, me in particular, that, that Laura is still around in various ways. Um, she she likes to make herself known by, uh, for me, it's like things like Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd, which was the song that I played at a funeral. Um, it will just appear randomly in a playlist that it might not even fit in. When I was at the PC and I did a solo workout on my own, I set Sonos up and Wish You Were Here was the first song that came on. So it's like, okay, this is weird. There's other weird stuff like that, but the the coolest thing so you guys, if you follow me or Josh on Facebook, you'll notice years ago we were doing the, the circle game where, you, you know, you make the circle with your thumb and your index finger and you put it on your thigh and, you know, you try and get someone ball gazing game or whatever it is. So um, it was kind of, what were you washing? Was it jeans or sheets or something? No, it was a bed sheet and um, it had yeah. already made it through the wash. Yeah. So it had been through the wash and... Um, he sent me a picture of it and like he'd washed this bed sheet. Laura had died a few days before and no word of a lie. There was a hand shape on the sheet doing the circle with the three oh fingers God. down yeah, and it was, the index finger making the circle. It was a random sticker that I don't know if my kids got from somewhere or what, but there's, there was no rhyme, no reason to why it was there except for what I believe is someone trying to yeah. pull a fast one on me and, you know, <laughs> yep. It was exactly in that right shape, everything about it. It was amazing. Um, and, you and, know, and Josh and – go on, dude. What? Hello? Nope, no, go ahead. Sorry, Who's going to talk? Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, um, when it comes to, like, Josh, uh, Adam Meda, Dave Orth, uh, Garrett and Dylan, they're all – they've all been really close with me through all of this. And we're really close to Laura through everything. Um, and it's little things like, you know, I'll, I'll get a message from 
Garrett or any of the guys to say yeah, something happened today and I think Laura's around, Laura's watching me or whatever and it's just, it's nice to know it's nice to know she's around it's nice to know she's still playing tricks um, I very <laughs> often walk into the, the apartment and I have a, a sound bar that um, we're getting quite spiritual now with this conversation but I walk in and the sound bar is uh, it only activates if you turn the TV on and I walk in, the soundbar will be turned on and the TV's turned off. And I haven't watched TV in, like, months. So it's like, how the hell has that happened? And then it'll just turn itself off. So, you you know, someone's having some fun. And it's nice. And it's if, she, if she was going to show up, if she was going to show up, you know that that's what she'd be pulling to because that's so in line with her personality. She'd yep. be the yeah, print on the bed sheets. <laughs> oh, yep. Man, man, yeah, absolutely. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to do this sooner than later again too, and I know it's so late over there. Yeah. Um. They they give they got us a few minutes extra for bonus time, but we're we're uh, run out of time. But you gotta come back on again too, because I miss you, brother, and we miss talking to you. And Josh, maybe we can include you as well, because despite all the ribbon, Josh McAdoo is a real great friend, and uh, I love him to death yeah, too. Yeah. And I will absolutely. edit up this episode and remove that part if need be. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but, um, Get it? Um, uh, I, I thank you very much, man. And do something. Is that a hashtag, or are you kind of taking that further into like a website? And or like, what are you going to be? What's your plans to do um, with that? Because I think you're onto something. So, shameless self promotion. If everyone goes and types in all one word into Facebook, do something movement, you'll see a picture of a. a currently, it's a guy doing a handstand on a rock. And the word do something, the hashtag do something went across it. That's my page. Go like it, because on Friday the 20th, one year to the date that Macy passed, at 8.30 UK time, exactly one year, something really cool is happening. Something really cool is dropping, and everything will become really clear. Everything will start to make sense about where, I'm, where I want to take this. Um, it is, it, it's huge. I'm very excited for it. I'm very excited. So, yeah, jump on, give me a like, follow it. I'm, I'm, if you're already following it, tell your friends. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, man, for coming. And, and there was something, you know, always Josh McAdoo and Garrett, we always we always say, like, we'd mess around and say, uh, you married way out of your league. But it's become abundantly clear over the past couple of years that you're right up there with her, and, and you've really turned out, you know, you've made us all <laughs> proud, man. And it, you, you did. You set example for because – I don't. I honestly yep. hope that I could react as well as you did in that situation, and, and and kind of you know take the reins in that situation. But I honestly can't say that I would because you never know until you get there. And I know that you've been there, and you've been to hell and back, and you're standing here and you're taking the hits and and and, and just letting their legacies yep. live on through you and just do something. You're going to change a lot of lives. And Laura and Maisie are going to be here for a long, long time to come. And and Ray, you know, not yep. physically, but you know. They're going to be felt for many, Absolutely. many decades through the positive things. So Absolutely. I love you, man. Yeah, and, uh, I agree. You be safe. Thank and, you, guys. Uh, you know, no problem, man. We'll touch base all. soon, and I, I appreciate you staying up with us, brother. That's all right. I'm going to go all and try right. to sleep, then do a run at five o'clock. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, man. Bye, I'll see you guys later. Right, right, bye, I guys. Appreciate it. All right, and, uh, Chris. So I don't know if we have time for a closing quote. Um, if you can, or you want to just go to the outro because I, I think we got ten seconds. I've got a quick one. 
All right. Don't worry about your per- don't worry about your perceived failures. Worry about the chances you miss when you don't even try. I love it. Thank you guys so much, and uh, thank you, Hayden. I, I, I'm so inspired by you, and maybe tomorrow morning I'll get up early with you, and uh, maybe not five, but uh, early, and maybe I'll try do to do something, something myself because uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing. So we love you, brother, and we'll talk to you soon. Let me that, man. That was a great workout, man. The power bomb set up by Page. Oh, oh, the diamond cutter. I don't believe it. Dynamite. 